Aging Matters on WERA is brought to you in part by Synergy Home Care. Synergy Home Care provides premier in-home care for you or your loved one throughout Northern Virginia, including personal care, homemaker services, companion and memory care, and transportation. Call 703-558-3435 or visit SynergyHomeCare.com for more information. Synergy Home Care will find a care solution to meet your needs. Good afternoon and welcome to Aging Matters on Arlington Independent Media's community radio station, WERA Arlington, 96.7 FM. I'm Cheryl Beversdorf, your host. Functional fitness is a way to help older adults perform daily tasks with ease. Three key elements are balance, mobility, and strength. Functional fitness can help boost the health and mobility of this population as they age so they can stay as active as possible. My guest today is James Owen, author of Just Move, A New Approach to Fitness After 50. He's going to talk about the benefits of functional movement and fitness for older adults and why it's never too late to get started. He'll also suggest new attitudes and techniques to help adopt new habits to get and stay healthy. So welcome, Jim, and thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Cheryl. This this will be fun. Okay. Well, Jim, before we really get into the details about what folks need to do to become functionally fit, tell us just briefly, what were the circumstances that made you write this book? Well, I'm happy to say that at the age of 82, I'm in the best shape of my life. But Cheryl, that was not always the case. When I turned 70, I was in awful shape, uh, extreme lower back pain, bad knees, overweight. It's a long list. But worst of all, I had no energy. I knew I had to do something, but I didn't know what to do. Uh, I'm not a gym rat and really hadn't exercised since I was a teenager, to to be honest about it. And so I spent my whole career on Wall Street, and I've always loved research. So it's very natural for me to start reading books and magazines and this and that. The problem, Cheryl, is that most of what you, most of the books are aimed at a very young audience. How to look good in a bathing suit. Nothing wrong with that. But the stuff is all very vanity driven, whereas that's not the problem that folks my age uh, and your audience faces. So looking good is great. Is, but our goal is quite different. It's about feeling good, not really looking good at this age. So, but I didn't know what to do, and I made it. I'm the first to say I made a lot of mistakes, but somehow I got through it. And I said, you know, I, somebody's got to write a book on this. As it turned out, s- several years later, uh, I wrote a book published by National Geographic, who had never done a book like this, and I'm very proud of it and was picked by the Wall Street Journal as one of the five best books for healthy aging uh, when it came out. So that's kind of my background, and I just want to say I don't look at myself as an expert. Uh, Even after 12 years of doing this stuff, I'm still a student, and that's sort of my mindset. 
And that's, but that's also the, the mindset that you need if somebody wants to get fit. Okay. Well, and that's, that's a nice segue into the many, many details that are in your book. And by the way, it's an excellent book. I've read it and um, even started adopting some of the, uh, of the recommendations in there. But let's start at the beginning, Jim. What, what did you find for yourself and what could you tell our listeners about what physical changes affecting movement occur as adults age? Cheryl, uh, two that come to mind are loss of muscle mass and uh, bone density. And I think also uh, reduced uh, oxygen intake. That's just part of being over, of, of, of aging. And also the loss of balance. And the result of all this is lack of strength and flexibility. And uh, this is a problem that aging adults face. It doesn't matter who you are, what your, you know, earlier life was. This is just the way, this is just where you are if you're, if you're older. And would you also say, Jim, that motor performance declines with age? What, what, do you, what could you tell us about in what ways motor performance also declines with age in addition to those physical changes? Cheryl, this can get real technical, and I don't want to do that, but our motor control uh, is how our brains interact with, with our sensory systems. And the bottom line is, in, in layman terms, when you don't work on your mental and physical strength, uh, this declines. And it's, it's sort of as simple as that. I mean, the PhDs and the doctors can talk all day long. <laughs> they talk about proprioceptors, but it, it's, it's basically motor control becomes slower. And that's why older people often fall. Uh, the nervous system simply processes things slower. And it's also some issues of the, of the inner ear. Uh, and I don't want to get overly technical and bore your audience, but all you have to know is this is one reason why as you age, naturally, all of us, no exceptions, are going to have certain issues like this unless you do something about them. And that's why we're talking about exercising and fitness and that kind of stuff. Okay. And that and that's really good. I was also wondering then, besides the aging, which you've been talking about now, are there other factors that might contribute to the decline in neuromuscular function? I'm thinking like lifestyle changes or diet or maybe even, well, let's start with those three. Well, and to me, it's, it sort of all goes together, but it, it, we, it starts obviously as, as, as lack of physical activity. That's number one, okay? Then to me, it's sort of, you know, a combination of poor diet, stress, which is really important when, you, when you're older. We all have stress, okay? Uh, it could be excessive drinking, uh, maybe drugs. Uh, smoking, for sure, is a big contributor to these problems. And then lack of quality sleep. Okay. Well, and... Added to that, I'm suspecting that, of course, as we get older, we're, there are certain health conditions that can limit our mobility. Can you talk a little bit about that, Jim? Well, Cheryl, it's a long, it's a long list, but uh, in no order of, of uh, priority. It's just, you know, to me, it's fragility, arthritis in your joints, 
very common, and I have this problem, and I've been working out for, for you know, 12 years now, is, is tightness in your hips and your ankles. And uh, obviously bad knees. My big thing was, was a weak core, and we'll get into that. Uh, but if you have a weak core, you're, gonna, you're setting yourself up for some serious health issues, obviously obesity. And I'm not, we're not talking about body shaming and that kind of stuff. But if you are you know, clinically obese and seven out of 10 Americans, adults, are either obese or overweight in a, to a serious way, uh, stroke and diabetes, uh, low blood sugar level, and hypertension, uh, these are all things, there's no one thing that's, but all of these things need to be considered. And I suspect the other factor can be people who are a little too sedentary. Absolutely. I'm often asked, Cheryl, Jim, you wrote this book, but I want to know something. What are your cred- credentials? Well, I don't have a degree in kinesiology. And I, don't, I don't have a background in gerontology. The only the uh, the only the only certification I have is I'm I was a certified couch potato, and I realized as I got into exercising that was part of the problem. The the average American adult Cheryl sits between eight and eleven hours a a day. Can you imagine this? Between hunched over a computer, uh, riding in a car, maybe reading a book, watching TV, and so on, and it's no wonder that so many of us have got problems. And a big part of it, I've always said that I, that that lack of exercise, uh, being overweight, and so on, sitting is now the new uh, smoking. And it's a serious disease that so many of us who are older uh, face. So the big question is, what's going to get you off the couch? What's going to get you to move? And that's why this book is called Just Move. And to that point... Give us a little hint here about why physical activity and exercise is absolutely imperative for older adults. Well, I don't think there are not, there are not many things, Cheryl, that the, that the so-called experts would agree upon, okay? But I think every, every expert would agree that exercise, no doubt about it, is the most effective way to slow down the aging process. Every statistic, every data point, whatever you want to call it, suggests that. And being physically active helps prevent some of these diseases by increasing blood flow, improving cardiovascular function, and helping to normalize the body's blood sugar and uh, insulin levels. And also, and again, I I don't want to get in the weeds here, Cheryl, but it also helps to reduce which I've had this problem, uh, chronic, what the doctors call chronic uh, systemic inflammation. Um, I'll be surprised how, I live in a senior community right now, be surprised how many people suffer from this. And it's, uh, this can cause cancer, rheumatoid arthritis, heart disease. Um, If there was a, if exercise was a drug, Cheryl, Every doctor would, you know, would prescribe it. The bottom line here is the less you do, the less you can do. Uh, my, my mother, who passed away at 101 and a half, 
blessed her so, used to say, use it or lose it, which she would say. <laughs> well, she lived to be 101 and a half. And uh, she never set foot in a gym, and she had an occasional martini. Just, but she was active in her own way. One of the things that you talked about in your book was something called fitness age. What is meant by fitness age, and, and how is it determined for an older adult who's ready to start doing more physical activity and exercise? Cheryl, this is a fascinating idea, okay? And I have to tell you, your audience up front, there's a little bit of marketing involved in this stuff, okay? But basically, it, it simply means there's a difference between your chronological age and your fitness age. And some people can, their chronological age can be 80, but their movements and, and overall health can be 60. And it, it's, it's astonishing, but this is true. And so I think the key terminant, and this is where it gets kind of marketing oriented, and the doctor and the, and the sports medicine guys, of course, love it because it makes it makes them uh, makes you depend upon going to them for a stress test. What they use is what's called the VO2 max, and it measures aerobic uh, capacity. I don't personally agree with that. I've done the stress test. You do it on a treadmill, and you go to exhaustion. I don't think that's a good idea for most adults. It's great for athletes, but if you're older, it, this could cause serious problems. But you literally go to exhaustion, like as in passing out. And so I think the best measurement is done by a doctor, who, and, and the result is based on blood tests. And so uh, I, I do this twice a, twice a year, essentially, and I like to call it biological age myself. But either way, there's no precise calculation and if anybody says there is, it's just a marketing thing. But my doctor says, Jim, you're, you know, you're 82 years old, but you have the physical, you know, uh, thing of a, somebody who's 20 years younger. But it's a very general, it's a very general term. It's not something that you can measure exactly. Okay. Well, and, and that's helpful. I was also wondering, once uh, an individual has some sense of their fitness age or however you want to uh, call it, are there or might there be certain barriers that could prevent an older adult from getting fit? We want to make sure that we understand that once folks start reading your book, that they can just go gung-ho. So I was wondering if you've talked about barriers that could prevent an older adult from getting fit. Cheryl, this is a really important question for your audience. Again, I'm not a doctor, okay? But I personally think the biggest problem is, is uh, ageism. And our, and our culture tends to build up young people, and it tends to dismiss older people. And I seriously think this holds a lot of people back. They think, well, I'm older. It's only natural that I'm going to decline. That is simply not true. You absolutely can reverse that. And that's a big thing that I believe in. That you're, a, you're never too late to get started. Okay, I wish I'd started when I was 60 years old, but I didn't. I started all this stuff when I was 70, which means 
I had to work harder than I would have if I was 60, but I didn't. But it is what it is, okay? But as long as somebody is mobile, they can absolutely uh, turn back the turn back the clock, uh, slow down the aging. But you have to work at it. It does not come naturally unless you work at it. And I think that's one of the key takeaways of of the book. You can turn back the clock, but only if you take some action to 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 reverse that. The natural, uh, you know decline of aging. It's just a part of life. That's all. And and we're going to get to talking about goals and realistic in a moment, but I wanted to pick up on the fact that you mentioned talking with your physician. In general, would you say that if an older adult does not exercise before and they are really inspired by what we're talking about today, would it you know, generally be a good idea to consult a physician before beginning some kind of an exercise regimen? What, what would you tell us? Cheryl, uh, I've got to be careful how I state this. And this, I don't want to in any way say something that your audience, you know, would say, gee, Jim Owen told me I don't need to talk to a doctor. Uh, then, then, then something happens and they get hurt, okay? I would say the reason to go to a doctor, A, there could be a structural problem in your body that you're not aware of. That's number one. That's the reason to go. But a doctor today, maybe not 10 years ago or 20 years ago, a doctor is going to say, quote, every older person needs some kind of physical activity. And they stop right there. They have no training unless they're you know, young and into exercising themselves, they have no training to tell you what to do, but they're just saying every adult needs some form of physical activity. And whatever that means, it could mean walking, swimming, kayaking, whatever it is. I go to a primary doctor uh, twice a year. And sure, this to me is a very important thing, okay? And what, I'm, what he measures it's really done by the by, by blood test. I mean, all the usual stuff. It's it's a blood test, and from that he develops. It's a he. It could be a she. A baseline. Now, this is the critical step, in my personal opinion. Every older adult needs a baseline, so that so when you go in for a twice a year checkup, the doctor can say, Jim, boy, your cholesterol level is up since your last we last you know got together. What's happened? Have you stopped exercising? Have you done this or that? Have you had an injury? You won't know that. He won't know that unless there's a baseline. So that, to me, is a critical part of what every single adult, no exception, should do. Now, the good news is Medicare will pay for this. But I go twice a year, and it is, it is, I cannot tell you the impact on my personal life of having that baseline. Jim, it looks, I'm seeing in these blood tests a little bit of anemia. You wonder, what the heck? Why would I have that? Has your diet changed, Jim? Uh, well, as a matter of fact, because of all this, you know, uh, COVID stuff, I'm not getting out like I did. Or I'm sort of, I'm, I've gained 10 pounds, let's say. Okay? That, you won't know that unless there's a baseline. So this, to me, is a critical step 
Every adult should do that. The good news is Medicare pays for it. Okay. Well, that's good news to um, for their wellness visit, and I'm very familiar with that as well. So now that you a person would have the blessing and encouragement of their physician, and they're really ready to succeed at some kind of a fitness regimen, a couple things. What should an adult, older adult do first? And uh, along those lines, why is setting realistic goals important? Well, Cheryl, I, I, I wouldn't have, I, I hadn't even thought about this stuff when I, when I turned 70. I just kind of frankly jumped into it, okay? And that, which is, I don't advise anybody else to do that, but that's what I did. But to me, it's a pretty straightforward thing. You simply have to make health and wellness, and I don't use the term fitness, it's make health and wellness a priority. That's the key. If you do that, then you write down your goals. Short-term, long-term. Then you've got to make a commitment. And I strong, strongly urge your audience, put the commitment in writing. And it's just for you. It's not for anybody else. But you have to say, I will be accountable for the execution of this. And your goals have to be realistic. I mean, you say, oh, I'm going to lose 20 pounds in the next, you know, four months. You're kidding yourself, okay? This is not about starvation. This is about long-term health benefits, long-term. Now, they're short-term, but the long ones are the ones that you just have to keep your eye on that ball and that, and that goal. If you start, if you're too ambitious, you know, too much, I want to be able to do 25 push-ups in six months, I would say if you're older, don't even think that way. You've got to change your mindset. Go start off slowly. I started off, I would encourage every listener to start with a simple program of walking. And I could not walk. It's really embarrassing. I could not walk three blocks when I got started. Imagine, three blocks, I'm huffing and puffing. That's how bad a shape I was in. So I made a commitment. I'm going to walk every single day for six weeks. And I wrote it down, and every day. Now, after about a week, maybe I could walk for five minutes. At the, Cheryl, at the end of about six weeks, I could walk for 30 minutes at a pretty brisk pace. And, um, you know, I felt pretty good. But, but even more than that, my wife and her friends said, what is Jim doing? He looks so much, uh, you know, more alert, more alive. He seems to have more energy. That's because I took this what I call challenge. I, I call this a 60-day challenge or what do you want to call it. And I did it. And again, I was in terrible shape. And, uh, it, but it, it all worked. But nothing succeeds like getting results. And this is a very important concept. Forget what the academic stuff says. They call it evidence-based. Forget all that stuff. You don't need a professor to tell you this stuff. You have to get results. If you don't, you're going to drop out of the program. What's the good news, Cheryl, and I, the reason why your audience would know this, but this is true. The results come pretty fast if you're, if you're new to working out. Results come faster than you might imagine if you're new. The challenge is, after 12 years, 
I'm not going to be in any better shape in three years' time. So it's a matter of maintaining my what, what I've got. I want to maintain my oxygen capacity. I want, I want to maintain my strength. But I'm kidding myself, Sheriff. I think I'm going to be any better than I am today. Okay, well, and that's a good place to stop right now. We need to take a short break, and we're going to be learning more about fitness habits and what to do to stay fit in the second half of the program. And by the way, in case you tuned in late, we're talking with James Owen, who is the author of Just Move, A New Approach to Fitness After 50. And you are listening to WERA Arlington 96.7 FM. We'll be right back. Aging Matters on WERA is brought to you in part by Synergy Home Care. Synergy Home Care provides premier in-home care for you or your loved one throughout Northern Virginia, including personal care, homemaker services, companion and memory care, and transportation. Call 703-558-3435 or visit SynergyHomeCare.com for more information. Synergy Home Care will find a care solution to meet your needs. Welcome back. We are talking with James Owen, the author of Just Move, A New Approach to Fitness After 50. And in the first half, we talked a lot about why this is so important and what we need to do to begin to establish a new fitness regimen. And Jim, to that point, I remember in the book, when I want you to talk about it, as a person is forming new fitness habits, talk about the three R's. What does that mean? Well, I think first you need a reminder. For example, on the first day of each month, uh, I write down on a calendar uh, the 12 days I'm going to work out uh, with a trainer doing strength training. And I know you won't believe it, 12 times 12, I work out 144 times a year. It doesn't matter what I do. To be honest about it, and I always say, "What? No, it doesn't matter. You cannot help but get more fit if you work out 140." So I believe really in writing it down. Uh, secondly, there's the routine. Okay, what I do is I personally want to make sure I don't do the same old, same old every single day or week. That's boring, and nobody can do that that I know. So one month I I, I may focus on building strength. The next month my uh, Focus may be on flexibility or cardio endurance, whatever. But I change it every month in terms of focus. And uh, finally, uh, it's what I call the payoff. And uh, I can honestly say, Cheryl, that I've never, ever finished a workout that I've not felt better at the end than when I started. And uh, that's my idea of a reward. <laughs> that's, that's the third. So the, the reward for me comes from feeling better. I work out on days that I don't feel so good as often as I do days I feel great. So I've been under a lot of pressure for various reasons. I don't need to tell you why. And I said, I, I just cannot do it today. Well, guess what? I feel I do it. I just cut back the, what I'm doing. And at the end of the workout, I said, boy, I that's pretty good. So those are the three R's, reminder, routine, and reward. Of course, everybody's idea of reward changes. You know, yours might be some ice cream or who knows what it might be. But that, those are my reward is 
just knowing our fuel better okay. at the end. Well, that sounds good. Reminder, routine, and reward. So those are good things to keep in mind. Another thing that you really emphasized, another point was, why is it important to make it fun? And is it necessary also to decide what's going to motivate a person? So we're talking about fun and motivation. Give us a few more details about both of those aspects. Cheryl, I think making it fun is the ultimate secret uh, to getting success and becoming more fit, okay? So the job is to find some physical activity that you actually enjoy. It can be kayaking. It can be swimming. It can be tennis. It can be hiking. But the more you enjoy it, the, less li- the more likely you are to continue it. Um, motivation, you have to have motivation. We call it find your why. Why do you want to get more fit? Okay. And um, is it to get rid of aches and pains? Is it to keep up with your children or grandchildren? Uh, maybe it's to have more energy or, vol- or, or uh, vitality. It, it may be to lower your risk of some serious disease, but very important to find out why do you want to, to get healthier uh, and, and more fit. I don't say fit. I say more fit. In my case, when I turned 70, I set a goal. I want to be a superager. I wrote this day. I said, what? I said, I want to be 80 years young, and I want to live life to the fullest. That was my goal. And I said, I'll do whatever it takes. So very important to have that goal, short and long term, and write it down, commit to it, and tell your friends, tell your loved one, I'm, I, need, I need an hour a day, you know, five or six days a week to, to, to pull this off. And that's, that's what I did. And I, I cannot recommend that enough. Okay. Well, and I also liked that you indicated the 10 common mistakes to avoid. And, you know, we've got always limited time here, but if you can kind of list maybe five of them and and encourage uh, listeners to refer to the other five, but talk us a little bit more about common mistakes that folks should avoid in terms of fitness. Well, Cheryl, it's a long, long list, but I think one thing is it's, it's people think, I've got to kill myself. I have to really, really, really work hard. I don't think that's true at all. You've got to find the fun, as we say, okay? What activity do you enjoy? It isn't, you don't have to go to the gym. You don't have to do what I do. I'm not recommending. I'm just saying, I happen to, I don't have any hobbies. So to me, working out's a hobby. For you, it may be swimming. And uh, I, I think... What's really important here is not allowing for recovery time. And for somebody who really enjoys this, like I do, you've got to set a day or two aside at my age for what we call recovery. If you don't do that, all the good stuff that you do is going to kind of be wiped out, you might say. Another mistake I see every day in the gym is is getting distracted. And I say leave your cell phone at home. Keep the ch- chatter to a minimum or after you work out. For gosh sakes, don't get on a, on a treadmill and read a book or, or watch TV. If you're going to do this, give it your all, whatever that may be, and, and get focused. I think demanding perfection is another mistake that's very common. Uh, believe me, I've been doing this for 12 years. Is my form perfect in every exercise? No. 
So I, we're all works in progress. We're all students, and there is no there, there is no you know end zone so to speak. There is no finish line. No, we're we're all learning. Uh, every day is different, and that's just part of it. Excuses we know about that. Oh, I I'm, I don't feel good today, but I'll do it tomorrow. I say BS. No excuses allowed. And I mean that unless you've got a fever, I believe in working out. You can cut it back. You can work out for 20, you can walk for, you know, 20 minutes. Great. But do something. I never allow two days to go by, Cheryl, without doing some kind of physical activity. Obviously, letting your ego drive you is a mistake. That's not quite so common with older people, but with younger ones, it sure is. And I'm just telling myself, Jim, no one to stop. If you do any more of this push-ups or whatever it may be, you know, you're going you're gonna to pay a price and hurt yourself. Um, and don't for a, one more mistake, Cheryl, don't for a second think that because of arthritis in your hand or something, or a, boy, you're, you have an issue with your foot, don't let any of that hold you back. I promise you, as long as you're mobile, you can, you can uh, find some program that works for you. If you're not mobile, you can do a lot of this stuff sitting. I, and I live, again, I live in a senior community. And there, are people, there are 30 people today, for example, that will, that will be sitting down. They're not, you know, very agile, whatever. They could be 90 years old. But they sit down and do what they can with a trainer. You know, it could be 20 of them or 25 of them. And they do it every, almost every day. And just, but, but they're not mobile. They're in a wheelchair, but they can still do something to keep that flexibility and get the blood flow going. These are, these are we can talk all day, all day about common mistakes, but, but those are some of the major ones. Okay. Well, and from what I'm hearing you say, it sounds like the whole idea of the fitness paradigm has shifted. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that means? Sure. This, if you think about this thing, the, 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 the old way of looking at this, at, at exercising, is a bodybuilding mentality. How much weight can you lift? That's Arnold Schwarzenegger, okay? Nothing wrong with that for him, okay? And, of course, these guys all use steroids. <laughs> That's how they got so big. But it's bodybuilding. How much can you lift, okay? How much can you bench press, that kind of stuff. It's ridiculous for an older person. Now... So it, it, the goal is to look good. Nothing wrong with that when you're 20 or 30. But to me, when you're, when you're our age, my age, the goal should be to feel good. And it's, it's, it's not vanity-driven at all. Am I going to live longer? No, I don't. That's not my goal. My goal is to feel good. When I wake up tomorrow morning, I feel better if I've done something. Maybe I walk for 30 minutes. Maybe I work out uh, with my train or whatever. Okay, so I want to feel good and looking good. Yeah, that, that that sort of comes with it if you're but that's not that's not the goal. So that's why the paradigm has shifted from the old bodybuilding to, I think, more of a functional fitness. And that's that's why we call it functional. How does the workouts, your lifestyle change what you do day by day? And nobody walks around lifting heavy, you know, 250-pound bar dumbbells every day. Nobody. But you're putting groceries away. You're, you know, getting in and out of a car. You're looking over your shoulder when you pull out in traffic. So it's all functional fitness is very, very practical. 
of how can you improve your day-to-day, uh, you know, living, if you're moving, without getting hurt. Well, and and let's let's um, since we're now into functional fitness, as I, from what I read, I, it seemed like there were sort of different facets of functional fitness. And if you can just give us a little brief of overview of how each of those facets contributes to the well-being, so people understand what functional fitness really is. Well, not to say it, it uh, get too fancy, but they're, they're, this is really a really important concept for your audience, okay? There are five, we'll call them dimensions of functional fitness, and every one is important, okay? One is core stability and strength. Now, I didn't know what core was when I started. I said, oh, this is, a, you know, this is your sh- six-pack. Well, it's not. It's a band that goes around your bo- you know, upper body, uh, the chest down to your thighs, uh, front and back. If you have a weak core, you will absolutely have lower back pain. And this is, this is your source of power. And most people uh, have a weak core. And it has nothing to do with, with you know, six packs and so on. It's, a, it, it's the power source for everything you do. And, and I didn't know that. I thought core meant, again, a six pack. But core, everybody needs to do core stability or include that and strengthen their workouts. I spent probably, Cheryl, a third of my time for the first two or three years doing core work. So in a given workout, core, core, core. My core is now the best part of my body, and that's why my weight is so good. Uh, my overall health is good because of core. Another one is flexibility. We know this. Older people lose flexibility. It's just a part of getting older. You've got to do some flexibility at work. Stretching is, is, the, is the obvious one. So I don't like stretching. Great. Do yoga. Do Tai Chi. Do, uh, I, I found yoga boring. I tried Pilates. That didn't work for me. But I'm a big believer in, for me, stretching is what works. Balance. One-third. One-third of every adult, 65 and over, falls every year. Think about that. And if you fall once, you're likely to fall again. So you have to work balance exercises into every workout. Now, we're not talking it's just, it's just five minutes of pretty simple stuff. But if you don't do this and you get older, you're going to have balance issues. And I cannot tell you in the community where I live the number of people who have fallen. And I don't want to tell you how it could be, could be some of them black out. Some of them have to go to the hospital. It's just a, all because your balance is poor. Muscular strength, we've talked enough about that, but that's critical to, to, to keep. It's not about being Arnold Schwarzenegger or build, building big muscles that you know, impress somebody. No, you're losing muscle mass, and by the time everybody does, starting at age 25 or so, by the time you're 70, think about this, Cheryl, you've probably lost 40 or 50% of your muscle mass. And cardio, obviously, is the, is the, is the next one. And everybody knows what that is. Okay. So those are the five facets. I wanted to also just get into some aspects that people hear about when they're um, exercising in that. For for one thing, you mentioned this in your book about staying hydrated. And I was just wondering why, explain to us why it's always important to stay hydrated. Well, this, again, is a kind of a controversial thing. Do you really need eight glasses of water? Well, all I can say is part of my reason I, I, I weigh 
50 pounds less than I did when I got started 12 years ago. I drank a liter of water in the morning, a liter every single afternoon. Okay, And that I don't include coffee or anything else in that. I think it's critical. The doctors, the medical community can say, well, you don't really need that much. If you, if you don't, if you are hydrated, dizziness, where am I, easy to set in, uh, falling can happen to you. Uh, it's, I, think the, I think the water in, intake is absolutely critical for everyone. Otherwise, you have fatigue, loss of energy. And uh, it's not good. I'm, I'm, so I'm a believer that everybody should drink. Tom Brady, the great football player, drinks a gallon of water every morning, apparently, and every afternoon. That's what he says. And it kind of flushes out his system. or whatever, whatever the reason is, he's 42 years old playing a game of, that youngsters play who are 22 or 23. He's, it's amazing. So I, I'm with Tom Brady on this. It's critical to stay hydrated. Another thing that I heard you say a little bit earlier, and I just wanted you to reinforce and talk a little bit, is the importance of warming up and stretching before beginning to exercise. Talk about why that's important. Well, it's, it's particularly important, Cheryl, for older adults. You've got it, it, We're talking at most about 10 minutes. So don't make this into a big deal. It's just... You might, if you have a treadmill, for example, five minutes in a treadmill uh, is, is a real good idea before you work out, okay? And uh, I do jumping jacks or something. The idea is to get your blood flowing. And so I, before I actually do a workout, I stretch. It, but it's not a, it's, it's just, it's maybe at most 10 minutes, maybe it's only five minutes, but you have to get your blood going. And otherwise, uh, you might get hurt, to be honest about it. And so uh, everybody, but, but don't make any of this into a big deal. It's just real simple. Warm up, get the blood juices going, as we call it, and you'll be so much happier in the workout. You'll be much more effective in the workout itself. That's a very good piece of advice. And another aspect that you had mentioned uh, a little bit earlier is about working with a trainer. And interestingly, about a year and a half ago or so, I had uh, I interviewed a trainer who works particularly with older adults. So talk about working with a trainer. Is, is that, can that be helpful? And, and if so, if you have any thoughts in terms of what are the best ways to find one, and, and even going it a little bit further, is going to a gym necessary? So that's sort of a whole new aspect of what this exercise and functional fitness might be around. So talk about using a trainer, going to a gym. What would you tell us? Cheryl, I, I cannot emphasize enough. I believe everyone needs a trainer in the beginning. So for the first year, you need a trainer. And the reason is the most critical element of all that we've talked about is, is making sure that you move correctly, and that involves good form. And I don't know of any other way to, quote, learn good form, good moving patterns, is what we're talking about, than having a trainer. You, I don't know how anybody can learn that on their own. I know I couldn't, and that was part of my problem. If you don't have good form, A, 
You're not going to get the benefits of the exercise. I promise you're not. And two, you might get hurt. So safety first is critical. And a good trainer um, can help you with those things. But form is critical. Otherwise, you do not get the benefit. You can call this range of motion. Call it whatever you want to call it. I just call it good form. And good form, you, you cannot learn that out of a book. I wish you could. Somebody has to show you. And the reason we all have weaknesses, okay, everyone has a weakness, whatever it may be. One foot's, one leg is shorter than the other leg. So you have to, good form is critical and it takes time and patience to learn that. And if you don't have it, you're wasting your time, wasting your money, wasting your effort, and no one wants to do that. Do you have to have a gym? No. You don't have to have a gym. I personally would rather work out at home. I'm a big believer in body weight stuff. Just using your body weight of the five exercises that everybody should do as an adult to get started. Four of the five require no equipment at all, just body weight. You know, push-ups, uh, lunges, uh, things like that. Okay, planks. And uh, that's I don't, so I don't, a gym membership is not critical. And it's not that you need a, a trainer holding your hand. And by the way, sure, I have to tell you this. If you need a trainer to motivate you, save your time, save your money, save his time. You do not, if you need motivation, that's not how you get it from a trainer. So I get it from, a, from what I get from a trainer is showing me, even today, how to get, improve my form. That's the critical thing to becoming in better shape. And there's no exception. You cannot learn that from a book. I wish you could. Or taking a tablet. Uh, how about equipment? Uh, I, have, I use equipment, but it's not nothing fancy. I don't like machines. I per, personally, I prefer, uh, because of the repetitive moves, I much prefer light dumbbells, Swiss ball maybe, BOSU, so uh, cables, that kind of stuff. So you don't need a gym membership if you want to, if you want, you may, you may, you may prefer, prefer a, a cl a classes. I'm all for that. Take a class with 20 people. It's great. The YMCA does an amazing job. Believe it or not, they've got some excellent trainers in most, I know you won't believe it. Some hospitals have got, uh, you know, gyms. Uh, so you don't, community centers, absolutely. I live in a senior community. Of course, we have a gym. Every community center has a gym. And, uh, but you don't, you don't need to pay off some fancy fee. Believe it or not, Medicare may pay for a gym membership if you check it out. And so you don't need a, a membership of, to pay a membership, but you, need, you can do it at home. You can do it outside if the weather's right. But all these things are just, this is all common sense stuff. But you need a trainer, at least for the first year, and to show you what to do, how to do it safely, and to mix it up. If all you do is the same old stuff week after week, you A, you won't get results, and B, you'll get kind of bored after a while. Oh, this is just not for me. And you'll just drop out. And that's why people don't sustain this thing. You've got to get results, and you've got to hang in there, and, and work through the humps. And we all get plateaus, and you have to work through them. Okay, and I, I'm glad that you brought up about equipment, um, and you mentioned a few different kinds of 
of equipment. I'm thinking machines and this kind of thing, but like uh, weights and sometimes just in terms of body strength. Are, are there any more that you wanted to talk about? And, and also as importantly, are there any that maybe older adults shouldn't use? Well, Cheryl, that's a great question, okay? And that I, I, I would forget, for example, barbells. Now, if you're 25 years old, sure, do use a barbell, uh, like CrossFit and that kind of stuff. I don't do any of that stuff. I used to, I, the reason is it's awfully easy to get hurt using barbells if you don't have perfect form or a lot of the exercises that you use barbells for are dangerous for anybody who is my age, believe me. And so I like, you don't, all you need is dumbbells, kettlebells are fantastic. You can talk about them all day long, but unless you're really athletic, you, you will probably get hurt by their very nature. So I like foam rollers, for example. I like the Bosu ball. I, I love Swiss balls, medicine balls. I love uh, battle ropes, uh, what they call vipers, resistance uh, bands. There's a whole bunch of stuff. It's not expen- these are not expensive items at all. So I, I prefer body. I prefer body weight exercises, light dumbbells, and it's all very affordable. You do not need machines. At one time, I probably used machines. I don't anymore, for, uh, to be honest about it. Okay. Well, we're getting close to the end of the interview. I did have one really important question, particularly because we're talking about older adults. Talk briefly about the signs of overexertion. I think that's really important, especially if people are just starting out. And how can they be prevented? So enlighten us. The problem with most adults, again, in my, commun- in my community, I'm a, I'm a fitness ambassador, okay? I'm one of five people that, that, and there are 40 people where I live, okay? I can tell you the problem is not overexertion. They're not working hard enough, to be honest about it. But I can talk about it. But it's, it's, it's fatigue. It's, it's low energy, irritability, uh, burnout, stress. These are all signs of, I don't know of anybody in our community that overexerts. It's just the opposite. They're not working out hard enough. And I don't mean killing themselves, but that's something that more younger people do because of the exercise, their goal is vanity and that kind of stuff. But the answer at any age is to, is to listen to your body. So if you do, if you have overexerted, take a, take, a week to, take a week or two off. Don't do any activity for two weeks. Okay, try to clear your mind of uh, negativity, get more rest and sleep. And when your body heals and you're ready to get back into action, Cheryl, just ease into it. Do it slowly. Uh, Cut down the intensity. And what I do, if I ever overexert, and I can sometimes because I've been into this stuff for 12 years, uh, do some fun exercises. My wife and I, Stanya, have been married 52 years. We work out together. We take walks we hold hands. We have a lot of fun doing. We were, we were on the Today Show, and they had us do exercises that we'd never done before. Jim, can you and Stanya demonstrate this? I say, what the heck? But we laugh like kids. So having an exercise partner is one way of, 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 of going back. And I'll say one more thing, and that is you need to schedule, if you're worried about overexertion, 
to, your audience needs to needs to schedule what, what I call recovery days, days that you simply do not do anything. And I know you say, well, Jim, you're going to lose your fitness. No, you're not. And so at my age, I'm 82. Uh, I take it. I take one day at least of recovery. I do nothing. I don't walk. I don't stretch. Laura knows I don't do you know strength stuff. And and more and more, I'm doing more. Uh, taking that second day, do I am I losing anything? No. And here's the key to it: once you once you become quote fit, whatever that means, it's 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 a challenge to do that. But once you are reasonably fit, Cheryl, staying fit is a lot of fun, and it's not it's not nearly as as difficult. But all I can say is, fighting off old age, dealing with disabilities is a heck of a lot more difficult than uh, working out. So I, I say hour a day, that's 4% of your day. That's all it is. One hour a day is 4% of your day. If you can devote that and you're patient and you don't get too ambitious in the beginning, you take your, you're careful, you learn good form, you practice all this stuff, it can be so much fun. I spent my whole career, Cheryl, in the, in the, in the investment world, 35 years, Wall Street career, I, this is the best investment I've ever made in my life is this one hour a day. I wouldn't, there's no amount of money uh, is worth what this hour spent. It's me time. And as a result, I'm 82 years old, shape of my life, best attitude toward life. And I am genuinely, it's true, I mean, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, still a student now, but and I'm, I'm still growing, personal growth. But I'm I'm living life to the fullest, and that what what's that worth in terms of money? It's worth more than any money. I think that's a good way to to end our program in terms of that kind of advice that you that you shared with with our listeners. So I want to thank Jim Owen, author of Just Move: A New Approach to Fitness After Fifty, for joining me today, and to learn more about aging matters. Visit our website at agingmattersonline.com. And of course, at this site, you can access all Aging Matters radio and TV show content, and of course, also the Aging Matters podcasts on Apple and Spotify. Aging Matters is produced in association with Ink Mouth Media, and you can learn more about that company at inkmouthmedia.com. So thank you for listening to Aging Matters today, and remember, age is just a number, not a label. I'll be back again with you next week. 